recording a very, very special Thanksgiving holiday, end of the year, 2023 episode of I Think This Is Great with Clay Inferno. I am Clay Inferno, and I am joined by Emily Arkin and Bridget Duggan, who are part of Identical Cousins. I don't think you're actually cousins, but are you? Are you? <laughs> no. We we haven't done the full genealogical deep dive, but we're okay. just like we're all spirit. related to <laughs> Genghis Khan or something, anyways, or something like that. Or we're breathing in um, the same air that seeds are breathed in, or something like that. Yeah, we, so, we were a little bit inspired by the Patty Duke show, The Identical Cousins, but also because oh. we started doing Twin Keeks theme events like the the Twin Cousins, Laura and Maddie. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Well. Bridget, you've been on the show before. We've collaborated a bunch of times, but I'm going to start with you because I know you the best, but let's say someone's tuning in for the first time. Please tell me about what's going on with Bridget Duggan and and what you're doing these days. Oh, well, right now I'm doing a lot of Pee Wee Herman stuff for our show, <laughs> but... Yeah, I have a couple small businesses that I run. I have Pasithea Productions where I do social media marketing, content management, and just added private party events. Oh, excellent. Just got my first gig planning a 50th anniversary party. And I also have a vintage clothing brand called Existential Thread Co. We do goods for healing the retail therapy wounds that you might have. Um, everything mm-hmm. is kind of eccentric, makes you smile. And that's like wh- where the bulk of my time goes to is managing that. I have an Etsy store and I do a lot of markets. And then I also have another business called Small Mart where it's a um, handmade vintage artisan market that runs almost monthly out of crystal ballroom and we're planning on expanding in the spring so that's kind of exciting and yeah then the identical cousins project with emily okay well then over to you emily please introduce (laughs) yourself we're just meeting now and i'm only noticing your your p excite bike oh yeah sure and uh, in honor i i'm actually wearing sort of tim burton outfit this is my Beetlejuice. Oh, love it. But well, as we speak, they're filming a new Beetlejuice like up the street from us. I in saw Melbourne. that. They've taken over a whole neighborhood. It's all Halloweened out for the new Beetlejuice. Ooh, nice. In honor of viewing. Yeah. And May Returns. We just did uh, League Podcast, my, other pod, my main podcast. Did, uh, <laughs> we did all the, the Tim Burton through the Schumacher <laughs> Batman movies. And, and, Paul Rubens was actually, he plays the Penguin's dad in Batman Returns, but he also returns to play Penguin's dad in a show that I enjoy. I don't think anyone else did, called Gotham. So, so love, love Paul yeah. Rubens, and I'm getting, I'm getting distracted talking about clothes. I think we started that off. But Emily, please tell me about yourself. Pleasure. Sure thank you for joining. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I'm Emily Arkin. I am an artist, musician, and arts administrator. I've worked at a music conservatory and in scholarly publishing. Right now, I've been helping like lots of friends with sort of music and music-related projects. Like I've been working with Stompbox Sonic, who our boutique guitar pedal business, and Punk Rock Aerobics, who are launching a for kids series. Um, but I'm a musician in the band Harsh Foxing. Um, I'm also in a band that's directly related to Identical Cousins called Julie Cruz Director. We formed like kind of a super group to cover the Twin Peaks soundtrack when um, Bridget first approached us about doing a Twin Peaks event. So I play a lot of music. I've had a practice space in Somerville for a long time. I've been on the Somerville Arts Council board, that kind of thing. So I love to throw events. It's really fun kind of just being a impresario of weird things with Bridget and as soon as we met up we had kind of like a yeah kindred feeling about let's throw some extravaganzas <laughs> that's what I love to do that's really great and uh, I do a lot of I do a lot of shows in Somerville at Chris Barham <laughs> and Arts at the Armory and I love Somerville I've never lived in Somerville I've lived in Cambridge and in Boston but but the arts and the li- are alive and well in Somerville so Thanks for thanks for all you do. There are I will say there there are some existential threats to the arts in Somerville. Like there's a lot of developers kind of sharpening their knives for those like practice spaces and stuff. So I'm definitely hearing a lot about that and kind of hope that the city will continue to invest in like keeping artists there. But yeah, it is a good place. I now live in Medford, but I am yeah, still have one foot in the Somerville, Medford, Cambridge. Is it really any different? I live in Providence, which is very different. (laughs) Very different. Bridget's the furthest uh, train ride away. Excellent. So how did, you said a little bit about it, but how did identical cousins come to be an entity, a new business for Bridget to work on, for Emily to work on? Yeah, Brid- Bridget really started the seed of the idea when you were working at One Summerville. Yeah, I, I was doing the booking at One Summerville in the pre-pandemic times, and I had an empty Friday in February. Mm. And I was like, oh, great, I get to do something like fun, passion project-y on the date. And I always wanted to do a Twin Peaks theme event in the lounge, which is a smaller yeah. room, a 100-capacity room upstairs. That's a just- very... It was the, that's the twin from, yeah. That was like the vibes that I got. And so I reached out to a friend of mine named Gilmore Tamney, who uh, knows of an artist named The Mystery that I wanted to play. And um, she suggested that I reach out to Emily because Emily is like the biggest fan of Twin (laughs) And I, and Emily has increased my fandom Twin Peaks I was like a periphery fan and then start learning more about it and just sort of like falling in love with all the stuff and all the pieces of it so yeah we threw a a party in the lounge we did a red room theme that was the first one yeah and then sold out like really quickly we were on to something right yeah so cool damn fine copy here and yeah, we, we took it as an opportunity to like found it. We were like, how fun. I, I wasn't sure I by myself could like hold down the whole soundtrack. I'm more of a rock musician, but I had through teaching girls rock camp at, at mm. the Boston one, which is now called Boston Raising Powerful Musicians. Through that, I knew a bunch of musicians, including two great jazz musicians from NEC, 
they were in a duo called Umbrella Pine. So I talked to them first because I was like, if anyone can hold down like the jazz part of this, they can. And then sure. it we were able to assemble a whole super group that was all like femme and non-binary, which was kind of fun. And that was Julie awesome. there. And we had awesome. so much fun doing it that we were like, we should do this again. And the audience told us that the venue, to, everyone was like, when will this happen again? Like it was an excuse to, we decked out the whole room with like decor from Twin Peaks. We, all the acts just fit in the mood. It was if, as if you were visiting the roadhouse or something and there was a little rift to another dimension. We did a lot with visual projection and original art around it. So that was kind of wow. the of us doing events like this. And yeah. I, I, I remember there's, there's been a, a few more, right? You, you continue to do that. The, the Twin Peaks parties, right? Yeah, the next time was in uh, February of 2020, right? So imagine set the stage of the time period for you. And we went big. We went we went big. So we we had a both rooms, the ballroom. Yeah, ballroom. So it was like a 375 cap and the lounge. Yeah. We did. Emily was like doing all the artists, corralling the artists and there was a original artwork created and Holly the Hills was like the headliner. Nice. We had Johnny No Graves. Johnny No Graves. I was trying to think of the name. Yes, thank you for that. Which was like, I don't know, they just did like Western covers of Depeche Mode or something like that. Yeah, it was that's like, cool. like an Oliver Peck kind of vibe or something. And uh, Orbel. Then, um, Orville, the, Orville, yeah. yeah, and I which I played at once, I Orville, Orville. I know, that's so cool. Which is why I was like, thank you, Ben. But, uh, and then upstairs we had the Satanic Chef did like an art, oh. a double art, like inspired buffet, and we had themed cocktails. Yeah, it was about the artwork that was there because I can't even remember it all. Yeah. Well, one thing that really struck me because it was February 2020 is that we had a smell-o-vision exhibit, which maybe if had we known like what was coming down the pike, we would not have done. Like people were smelling like, ooh, burning and <laughs> cherry pie hot out of the oven out of like little like diner sugar containers. But we had all kinds <laughs> of we had yeah, someone painted the original like welcome to Twin Peaks sign. Basically each time we did another Twin Peaks event, we kinda like upped the ante fourfold. Oh yeah, you have to. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I actually had one of my last shows before the pandemic was in the lounge and we it it's it, it was either it was I think it was like very late February, early March even. <laughs> and I, I I like look at the poster from that every once in a while. Wow. Look at that. What, what's felt, about yeah. to come? It felt quite surreal. Like, I remember during lockdown, like, were we in a room where there were like 250, 300 people? Did that really count? Like, that was so recent, but it feels like another. And I had like the <laughs> best January, February ever at once. I was having like, a great time. Had an amazing sold out like prom thing we did. Then Ezra Furman had their residency on Tuesdays and January in the first. It was always yeah. like, it was really, things were going really well. And then all of a sudden, March, but yeah, it shifted as a, as identical. Well, we were still, ex we weren't exactly identical cousins at this point yet. Were we? I can't remember when we made it formal either, either right before that show or right after. I think we were like, we're going to keep doing this. This is still happening. But yeah, we really shifted to doing like virtual events and like 
pretty quickly mm. like sometimes when i look back on that time period i'm like oh i didn't learn to play the piano or anything but we both became much more adept video editors and video virtual <laughs> events and yeah so yeah we did we did one that was Twin Peaks theme, but we also did one called My Synesthesia Valentine. And we really like oh, yeah. went very broad. Like that one was almost a talk show. We interviewed a neuroscience who like specialized in oh, smell cool. and pheromones. And we. It yeah. was like a Valentine's Day themed event, but sort of like interpreting love through all the senses. So we did, we did like little featured form performers based on all that, those ideas. And. I made like little interstitials with like scientific facts and oh, that's just so cool. Fun, and we made kits for people to make valentines for people while they were like sitting at home being safe. <laughs> so yeah, we we continued the tradition of making complex, fun, really multifaceted events, even even when it was like from our living room to other people's living rooms. Yeah, then we um... did. The one with the coffee and the meditation booth. Yes. Oh, that one was great. We actually didn't even know, like, how that would come together. But we had just been talking to a couple of friends. One was a coffee roaster. One had been a Zen monk for 10 oh. years. <laughs> and then we got together and just tried to figure out, like, what kind of event would we do? And, and it just gelled into a coffee meditation. And we made an entire zine to go with it. And we all learned so much about Zen cons and brewing. Mm like really really like in-depth brewing and roasting and that kind of thing so yeah we got to educate ourselves at the same time we were doing these events like we tried to make them kind of a mix of like a symposium it was like it was called damn damn good coffee meditation you know how dale cooper loves coffee oh, yeah. so much with peaks so oh, that yeah. was twin peaks the angle and then nicole was the coffee roaster who was on the podcast right. with me for other yep. project and yeah, she did. Uh, she did a lot, all the art, like a lot of the artwork, and Emily did some of the artwork too. And then she did like a bunch of videos on tasting, how to guide us through the tasting. Mm. And then Emily's friend John was like a monk and did a guided meditation as if you were Dale Cooper. It was really interesting. Wow, like, that's really like hard to conceptualize <laughs> and explain. And it was. And then Emily and I put together these gift packs of. You can buy a ticket to the show, but then also we would send you the coffee, the zine, and a bunch of Twin Peaks ephemera. And I sent one to Italy. I sent one to wow. Amsterdam, like uh, California, Georgia, like a lot of random people. Like the the Twin Peaks really draws a lot of different people from a lot of different areas, and so that was kind of cool. It, there's a also a theme I pre heard you talk about on bringing another element to your event which is smell it's true it's true yeah <laughs> no, it's not just that i think we're censoring we it and maybe this word is overused i was just reading an article in the new yorker about like how much how many times people say immersive events nowadays that that mm. will come date the 2020s but at the same time like that's really what we're going for and i think one reason that we go to those lengths was to try to bring in all the senses and really make people sure. feel they were having an escapist moment from their real lives and entering the universe. So, like, whether it's Twin Peaks or Pee Wee's World, we want people to be like, yes, I get to be inside this world rather than just watching it on a tiny screen. Yeah. No, now the thing of it, there's none of smelling in Pee Wee. Yeah, we have zero smell vision for this one. We, we could change that. We, <laughs> we got a whole time. It's in Chewy, but...
All right, so now is a natural time for us to talk about about Pee-wee and your show and the celebration of Pee-wee's Big Adventure and, and, and Pee-wee's Playhouse. I thought I would ask you, what's the word of the day for today? November 16th, we're recording. Mm-hmm. Don't all scream that word out at once. I'm going to say smell. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And then yep. everyone screams. We're, we're counting on everyone at home to be screaming right now. I hope you are. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, maybe I'll put in some sound effects. <laughs> um, tell us what's going to be happening at Crystal Ballroom. What what can people expect what, when they when they show up? So there, there's a screening in the main theater, the historic Silverville Theater of of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Is that correct? Yeah, the Tim Burton movie, and then they're going to do some highlight, like a sizzle reel of some playhouse stuff, just to get people in the mood. So those are probably the parts of Pee-wee's universe we're leaning into the most with this. But this is going to be an after party upstairs. So you watch the movie, and then um, head upstairs to the Crystal Ballroom. So Crystal Ballroom is like part of the Somerville Theater that they renovated to turn like back into a live music venue, and we love it there. That's in fact where we did, we came full circle and did like a giant like huge same number of people as february 2020 or maybe more like in the crystal ballroom a couple months ago so we'll be up there and as with twin peaks we would build out the red room within crystal ballroom when we did that this time we have i think at least four like immersive places where people can take like photos and videos of themselves we're going to have a bike photo booth where people can fly through the air on peewee's bike or they can really um, what else, Bridget, we're going to have? Oh, tell me about the picture phone. <laughs> well, yeah, this is probably our most ambitious uh, production to date. I think the most art projects we've ever had, for sure. The most, like, cohesive storytelling in the performance aspect of it. Or not cohesive, but more of like, a narrative, like a story, in the way that we put things together in some parts. But, yeah, we have a uh, picture phone with the lips that opens up and inside will be um, some clips of cartoons. There'll be like an iPad, which you can interact with and some other surprises uh, on that iPad. And then we also have like a photo booth where at some point in the uh, series, they turned the dance break into Miss Yvonne and Pee Wee on these like puppet bodies. Mm. And it, their heads on it you know what i'm talking about like with the like full-size or... person head on a tiny puppet body and then the body like oh <laughs> love that dance yeah um, and like, welcome to wienerville do you remember that show with nickelodeon no anybody no no i uh, like at least a half a generation ship if not a whole one <laughs> And then we're going to have some elements of the playhouse in the room, both life-size and some mini di- dioramas of it, because miniatures are very key in Pee-wee. So that's just what's happening around. Cherry. Cherry, yes. Che- life-size cherry is happening. We're very excited. Oh, fun. excellent. Yeah. Everyone's uh, favorite. I saw your unboxing of the playset. That was really fun. Yeah, Bridget did a good job. <laughs> that was during our... We had a whole maker weekend. So this is really a cast of thousands. We have... Three dozen friends are helping us with this, and so uh-huh. of like 
the art squad and people working just on interactive and video and then a lot a lot of um, performers like comedians drag performers and musicians so there's gonna be huge swaths of the score and a lot of the rock songs that were on the soundtrack of the movie and there's gonna be yeah just like a whole arc of we have three acts right bridget <laughs> yeah three um, musical acts and you also have sorry he's gonna be house band featured singers oh, oh three acts three theatrical acts the first one for instance is, is peewee's good morning peewee so it's all breakfast themed it's all saturday morning cartoons it's all yeah <laughs> wake up yeah we've been really methodical about the way that we put this together and and so in terms of documenting like what we're mm -hmm. doing because we do have a process that's been like but we've it's been evolving and we haven't really looked at it from like this way of like, yes what are the steps that we take in order to have these great events and so we're sort of like we've done a lot of charts like mind maps we've done we did a lot of ideation with with all the people that wanted to be involved wow. like, like the awesome exercise where we had a, a couple ideas and people just went through we watched some clips yeah, we had s'mores and a bonfire and had a little screening for everyone and wow, tried to pull so together fun. like what what's everyone's favorite memory of peewee or what's most iconic and it's really interesting because i think so many people have different things that they're like this means peewee to me like just mm. amazing larry or just some small piece of his yeah. universe and there's so many different peewee things to choose from it's such a not even to mention paul rubens outside of peewee like on batman or whatever but he yeah just yeah yeah he lived a and you remember life. stuff you forgot about all the time. Like yes. the other day, I remembered the giant ball of tin foil. Like just part <laughs> aspect of the show that I had forgotten about, or like I'm watching a clip and I'm like, oh my gosh, magic screen! We forgot about magic. Screen. Those kinds of things. Like, yeah, Brendan Tyler, Tyler, the music director, just texted me this morning. Is is there anything happening with tin foil balls? So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he uh, shows uh, up uh, with a tin foil ball, something or other. That's wow. the, that's the challenge I think is editing ourselves because we're so like, there's this element that's nostalgic, but also very close to everybody's hearts because sure. we watch Peewee yeah. and it's been hard to we want to do all the projects because everything means a lot to all of us and stuff so well and one thing we found is just how emotionally resonant it is for everyone obviously people are interested in going to the show but the artists a lot of them just say i just want to take a moment to say how much paul rubens meant to me he just seemed like such an incredible person off screen too or a lot of people feel like "Ooh, this feels really good and wholesome for my soul in this moment Focusing on Pee Wee feels really rewarding. And and we're taking it the way we approach these events too is not like literal, like cosplaying or literal. Or not everything right. has to be an exact replica of stuff, but it's, it's just like, let's create, let's create a playhouse environment for artists and let them riff on this universe without, yeah, necessarily like just replicating it. So that, and that's a little bit, it feels like how the artists worked originally on it. Like they were just sort of like yeah. set free and they were like, go nuts, guys. <laughs> and a lot of them were doing their jobs for the first time. So like we're, yeah. we've definitely succeeded, I think, in recreating that feeling for the people involved in the project. I, I think also something about, I, I end up like actually talking a lot about, about that. not so happy things like grief and death and, and things like that mm -hmm. on this show. 
but there's something to be said to you about the timing of this. Like, it's not so close to Paul Rubin's passing. It's it's like the perfect time to give him an awesome tribute because people have processed that he's gone, and then people can be your artists can be inspired, and and maybe somebody or or maybe more than one person is going to show up with a little tuxedo tie on at your show. You know what I mean? Oh, I like think that. Uh, so I I think it's good to to be able to process grief with 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 time I, I think that's really the only way people can do it and and the awesome tribute like also i think phil hartman was on the show mm, and yeah, uh, that i think of phil hartman to me like his story is so kind of tragic mm. at the end there but but how like you were saying bridget about the things you forget about the show they really are comforting and bring you bring you joy and peace and thinking about like a really awesome thing that happened when we were growing up watching Pee-wee's Playhouse or watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure with Tim Burton's first movie and uh, all the great things he's done now and still continues to do things um so I just you know I applaud y'all for what you're you're doing with the show it sounds really really fun yeah tell me about um you mentioned you have you have bands playing, and you also have comedians. What what can we expect from from some of the other acts that will be on stage? Yeah. Chucky Kavanaugh and Angela Sawyer, who are two fabulous Boston comedians who've appeared a lot together and separately, they're going to be our yeah. hosts. So, Chucky is. I love Chucky. I work with her a lot. Oh, fabulous! Chucky's king of cartoons, and Angela's Captain Carl. Oh, excellent! Yeah, excellent. yeah. So they'll be good at steering the ship, I think. And then just a ton of some of the people who used to be in Union Square Roundtable are involved. Kira Horowitz has really been wrangling all the comedians and characters so they can be in sketches together. So, yeah, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's going to be some like all cast okay. moments. Pee Wee's Wedding might play a role in the show. <laughs> oh, very nice. That's cool. And so let's see what, what else do we have going on here? You've got some there's other a house special band. guests. Yeah, there's, there's a, a house, house band. band, and there'll be a bunch of people coming up to sing different songs for musicians, Boston area musicians like Hilkin, Mancini, and Dahlia Zadek will sing, and then um, Emily and I are gonna sing too. Yeah. <laughs> We're being the yeah. like, cousin. Helkin will be Cindy Lauper. Noel Dorsey will be D. Snyder. Um, <laughs> so lots of well, fun. She's so yeah. unusual that that makes sense. <laughs> and yeah, that's awesome. And you, you mentioned uh, Walter Sickert will uh, be there. I feel like he's the perfect person to show up at this thing. Yeah, they're doing a little video uh, cameo, but they'll be there too. Oh, excellent, excellent, excellent. And we have great wow. drag performers too. Um, Celia Smoking Butts and Luke Warm. Yeah, we felt like one reason we called the entire event We Are All Pee Wee, like we kind of wanted to show the multitudes of Pee Wee and not be like there's yeah. no impersonator. But so we have a couple like drag Pee Wee impressions coming, which should be interesting. I, I do have a question too. You mentioned that, and something I'm curious about and been thinking about with, with Paul Rubens 
is that the the queer community really identifies mm. with Pee Wee. And is there anything else you w- might want to say about that? Maybe for, help our listeners or me understand uh, how important Paul Rubens or Pee Wee is? Yeah, I thought that was really important. That's one of the first things people realize is what a queer sensibility. It was really out there in a way where, you know, so many kids identified with it, whether they themselves felt genderqueer or whatever it was. Like, there was something about Pee Wee that really spoke to queer kids and adults. We've been finding, too, there are people who grew up on Pee Wee and were literally kids watching the Playhouse. And there's all kinds of adults who are like, this is what I like to watch while stoned in college or whatever. That's right, it. Like, right. Yeah, I think between, yeah, Miss Yvonne, just the whole world is kind of makes the world a playhouse and has elements of drag and elements of subversion, I think. What do you think, Bridget? More you can add to that. Yeah, I definitely agree with all those things. It's so, there's just so many different types of personalities and identities that have, that are in the playhouse i think that it spoke to a lot of different types of people watching it just growing up and i was like the age so peewee's playhouse ran from 1986 to 1990 so that was like i was like the age group that it was specifically adapted for and i remember i like asked my parents i was like do you remember me watching peewee's playhouse and my mom said yeah you were just like laughing the entire time you were watching (laughs) it was so funny to watch it was funny. And then I asked my dad and my dad's, I don't remember what you were doing. I was just entranced by it, watching it with you, just seeing what was going on. I just loved it so much too. So it spoke to all, all types of people. And I think the trying to do that justice with what we're, what we're putting together, we're, that's what we're aiming for with our, our show and our tribute. And we are all Pee-wee. And we are all Pee-wee. upcoming show at Crystal Ballroom at the historic Somerville Theater, which is just, I, I do so many shows there, and I love it. It's the best. It's the best place for art to play. You said it came out of the pandemic. It almost, this is real local stuff for people in, in the Boston area, but you know, uh, Bridget mentioned once Somerville, which was a, a huge loss. It was one of the venues that we lost in the pandemic. And Crystal Ballroom, it's like the opposite of that. It, it, it was birthed out of the pandemic. And they, they made the place so perfect for, well, the type of shows that I do and the type of shows that you do, comedy, podcasts. And sure, yeah, it's a great place to see a rock band too. But, you know, they have video there. They have a nice green room. Great lighting. bathroom for the artist. Great lighting, mm-hmm. chandeliers. Like every time I have a comedian there, they make some dumb joke about the chandeliers. <laughs> but, but yeah, Crystal Barham, love Crystal Barham. Staff there is so awesome. Every, everybody's so great. And so, yeah, you're, and, and combined, I don't know, I don't like that when they have combined events there that go from, that go from the, the big theater into the smaller room. So I'm really excited for you guys' show. It's a, it, yeah. it sounds really super fun. Super fun. We yeah. love working there. And in fact, we're going to do a few more shows 
in the new year. We were just talking about maybe doing some kind of love boat yacht rock event at some oh, point. Oh, that's we're a great idea. About. Like a lot of our yacht rock bands are, you, I'm sure you can put together a super group of bands. You're all the people you all know. Oh, we have some, we have some ideas cooking. No <laughs> I'm sure. So we're the days now, but we have, we, we have, I just want to ask if there's, so, so, okay. We'll start with the basic, and then we'll get, then we'll then we'll give our own little we are all peewee tribute and talk about mm-hmm. things that we like, things that we might remember from from peewee memories. But so, how do people know about this show? Well, how should they follow Identical Cousins? How how can people get on the train here where you can buy tickets, things like that? The basic. Fine. We have a brand uh, site. <laughs> Identical yeah, Cousins. It's beautiful website. Thanks. I love it. And then people can go straight to the box office at the Somerville Theater, or Crystal Ballroom has its own box office upstairs when they're open, or you can get them online at the show. So I think it's like bit.ly slash we are all P dash we. Yeah, so we'll have that in the show notes, and if it's on YouTube, then in the comments below. And that that's great. What what's the date? It's it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, November twenty sixth. Oh, perfect, perfect. And the movie's at five thirty, and the party starts at seven, and goes till whenever. Oh, that's awesome. So i i had I had Bridget got me addicted to Chat GPT. <laughs> oh my and, goodness! And we should see. So we did some AI peewee like visualizations. Oh. They all came out horrifying. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving and peewee yeah. with like some of the terms, and it was just like really like bizarre looking bow tied. People look like real turtles, like, but also serial killers, like with turkeys growing out of the side of them. Yeah, it was it was disturbing. We did not end up using any of our <laughs> uh, it was machine funny. learning assistance. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't keep texting each other. Look what I made now. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not ChatGPT, but yeah. it is AI. And yeah, no, I'm a big fan of ChatGPT. It's super helpful if you're someone that creates a lot of social media posts. And sometimes you oh, just sure. like, wow, for what do I write now? So Sometimes it just shows you what not to do. You're like, oh, and that is the most cliched way I can put it. So how would I flip that? Or... <laughs> Here's something that I, I, in the fog of memory, that as I, I was telling you guys, that we just did a podcast about our, our, some creative stuff we did in the nineties, but, but the, the movie actually was, uh, the inspiration for the show. And I, I if you were to put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you it was the other way around or not. Usually it would be like. Oh, let's make a movie out of the TV show, but uh, but that's that's really an interesting fact that Ch- Chat GPT gave me. And yeah, you said you have somebody dressing up like D. Snyder. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're gonna have a scene from the Hollywood backlot chase. So oh, I- there's also a little behind the music that's gonna happen about how their career was forever ruined after Pee Wee crashed into them during the oh, scene. Well. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. 
And uh, yeah, that you know what? Now I'm looking at this and it's just telling me about the tequila dance, which is another favorite thing of mine from from the movie. I was like a little older, so we would be doing the tequila dance in the in the during recess. <laughs> I remember that was a, it was huge, huge, huge. Yeah, I um, think one of the things people love about Pee Wee is like how unselfconscious a character he is because he's like this childish presentation. So do the dumbest dance you can think of. Great. Yeah, <laughs> like, in front of is the, awkward uh, is cool in Pee Wee's universe. Like your guys, yeah. Like how did he? How do you get yourself out of this situation? Like I, I always kind of like identify with that. Like how would I get myself out of a really like awkward situation where it seems like everyone's gonna beat me up or something. <laughs> well, and Pee Wee, like someone, a couple of people pointed out, like when you're a kid, like Pee Wee plays this this 98 pound weakling, like literally, they show him weighing himself, and yeah. but he always kind of like comes out on top with all his bullies and everything, or he like manages to make people love him. Right. And, yeah, so like a lot of kids identified with that if they felt like an outsider. Or, yeah, yeah. There's a confidence to Pee Wee. He's just mm-hmm. authentically who he is, or that's. I think that's yeah, goes, and adults to see. Yeah, it goes back to that. It goes back to what we were talking about with uh, with the, the queer culture identifying with them so much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's great. So maybe I guess. I guess. I'm going to, I'll start and then I'll, I'm just going to share my favorite Peewee thing. And if you have one you want to share, or it doesn't need to be related to your show at all, just like your favorite sort of Peewee thing or favorite Peewee memory. Mm. I, we would always just be cribbing the jokes. I know you are one of my, I know you are one of my, like, we we said that on the playground so much, <laughs> and and obviously the scene at Alamo, and I think maybe my favorite PVT is when it, when he's I think about this little driving a car a lot too. It's like hold the wheel, and then he's looking at the sign. It's just such visually, a, it's such a Tim Burton thing and such a great TV thing when he's like <laughs> he's driving the car for the passenger seat and the sign goes. <laughs> all around i think those are like my like some of my favorite pv moments so if you want to share one or two i i would love to hear what they are you go first bridget okay well this is more of like a paul rubens like through the research moment versus pv like we learned that paul rubens loves birthdays and that when it was somebody's birthday he would just he was using gifts before gifts were cool and sending them to people and then he would like like just spam all these gifts at you on your birthday and like a lot of the things that we are on youtube like people you know people asking either like messages that he sent to like his friends or just he loved birthdays and so it was my sending like birthday cards to like like a random b-list like people he, he met not, not that he'll read yeah. it to him, but people he knew. But you would be, I understand if you had encountered him and he knew that you were You're around, fine. you would, he would send you a, you send you a card. That would be so yeah. cool to get a card from Kiwi. My there's gosh, a, right. There's a super sweet podcast. Conan O'Brien interviewed Paul Rubens and he like replayed it after he passed. And it's really, really touching. And they kind of talk about his mm. birth 
love bombing of people. And yeah, he was really relentless. Like from when you woke up till two in the morning, you would get messages. Uh-huh. It was my friend Brandy's birthday yesterday. And so I said, in the spirit of Paul Rubens, I'm going to be sending you gifts all day long. All day. Just That's great. Enter a ton of the lamest, funniest gifts, birthday gifts that I could find on texting her. So that's one of my favorite memories of or Paul Rubens things and as far as Pee Wee is concerned I just discover more like new ones every day because of been doing a lot of just googling and watching clips and remembering things and I don't think I can narrow it down I just feel like I fall in love with it more and more every time I go. The broad stroke is completely acceptable. I just yeah. love Pee Wee is totally an acceptable answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's like why we chose this universe is because the rabbit hole goes so deep. Like people can really attach to any part of it. And as with like our David Lynch inspired stuff, like mm-hmm. you can just tell, does this how it does this feel like it belongs in this universe? And and that is kind of what attracts us. Is it it's so broad, so deep. For me, like mine is a little bit out meta outside of Pee Wee too, which is what okay, kind of yeah. rekindled my interest in this was watching the Walter White um, documentary. It's called um, Beauty is Embarrassing. And yeah. he was one of the like core Pee Wee artists. And I always think about it as being such a West Coast thing, like going on to be like the kind of West Coast artists who would do lots of like, skateboards and stuff. But there was also a real like lorry side sensibility to it. And I really liked hearing about how and that's, I think, what how, like, Cindy Lauper came to sing the theme song for Pee-wee's Playhouse. But just hearing about how there were all these artists who were already, like, kind of close to the Lower East Side art scene, like, just poured in the doors, working kind of almost sweatshop conditions, which is maybe not ideal. But just, like, pouring every crazy idea they could come into this, making puppets out of whatever is handy. Yeah. I've done this before. So that spirit really captured me and it made me again as an adult be like what a universe around peewee like peewee was like an amazing prop comic but then he also managed to invite in all these artists and have them really all express themselves in so many weird ways and he just created a forum for that and it by the time he stopped doing not just the show but you know the hbo show and the and the movie and everything yeah helping found tim burton's career like he really inspired a lot of other artists and managed to marry it all into one universe which doesn't make any sense at all of course but <laughs> one one thing that i i keep I'm not trying to plug my other podcast but one thing we were talking about when we were when we were growing up and and then becoming high school and into college and doing stuff there was something about the the constraint of not having a huge budget mm, that yeah. um and there's a huge contrast now, like we can do special effects on on our computer and things like that, which I hope that there's kids out there that have that sort of like that that peewee like excitement that are doing something really weird mm-hmm. when like uh, the trying to break their Final Cut Pro and do have it make it bizarre. But 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 yeah, it's like something about the constraint of of not having a huge budget and then just trying to be creative with what you have. To me, that's, to me, that's art. To me, art mm-hmm. is a struggle in making stuff out of the resources you have. And, and of course he had a budget and a team and artistic people, but 
if it wouldn't didn't come out of their brains, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't, we wouldn't have a cherry. We wouldn't have all of that stuff. There's a, a part of that documentary when they're talking about, I can't recall the name of the, the dog character in the, oh, the, Beck? Is it Speck? No, it, the, it's the jazz trio in the band. Oh, oh, like Chicky Baby and Dirty Dog. Dirty Dog. Dirty Dog. Yeah, that the artist is talking about how he made that out of a oven mitt, basically. Yeah. And then how, or in how Randy, they because it was just so doing things that he'd never done before, that he made Randy like so many different times and kept carving Randy out of wood every single he time. Like that 100 went pounds. Yeah. And yeah. then like he'd have to do it again. And yeah, just the spirit of, I'm going to try this thing and see if it works out. And yeah, we've definitely done a lot of that. This, I've, I took on a big old project that I am not qualified for, but I'm learning and I am like making the picture phone, you know, with the lips and the doors yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like, it's like, that, yeah. I need this to be a thing. And so it's like, this is like my... power tools. This is a whole, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's eight feet tall. I don't know how I'm going to transport it, but it's happening. And it's, we're, we're being a little bit interpretive with it while we're trying to recreate it. But it's, we keep saying, it doesn't need to be perfect. That's not what they would have done. They would right. have done what they could to make it happen and make it work. So that's kind of the mentality that we're we're moving with this. So yeah. Well, I but the thing is, I know you, Bridget, and I know what you're capable of, and and I've seen I've seen your series of events. I've watched it from afar, and I know you, and I know that I know that you would say the same thing. I I I know that that that's 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 the vibe. Well, this has been so awesome. I'm gonna get kicked out of my WeWork space here, but I think we I think we covered anything. Any final thoughts? Springer's final thoughts for around. Mm, I will say there's also a big dance party element to this. So at the end, we're gonna have all star brass band in the audience and everyone dancing to tequila. So yeah, it's also a party. It's not just a variety show, but it has. And some- it- uh, I just had an artist there, and I know they have tequila there. At or... well, we have a tequila sponsor, actually. <laughs> okay, great. Dolce Vida, thanks, Dolce Vida. They're like we're doing a couple feature cocktails, and they're all some of the proceeds are going yeah. back to the artists. So Dolce Vida, and get some. Uh, if hey, if you don't drink tequila, you you might. I'll be doing tequila with the Tobo Chico in my hand, so I know they have that there for sure. This has been such a pleasure. Both thank you so much. much. I had a great time, and uh, thanks deep. for uh, re- revitalizing my podcast that I've let sit dormant for a mm-hmm. while. This will might be the last one of the year, so it's very special to me. Thank you for doing it, and uh, thank you. we'll see you at Crystal Bar. Smell you later. Thanks, <laughs> 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 That's perfect. That was good. <laughs> That's my name, Cherry. Don't wear it out. Everybody, really fun. <laughs> <laughs>